All right, I'm here with Megan and Nicole Michelina, the Zenchronicity sisters. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Joel, for having us. Yeah, we're so excited to be here. Thank you. I'm excited to dive in with both of you because we're going to talk all things plant medicine, psilocybin, what's real about it, how it affects the brain and changes it, but also some of the new work you guys are doing with feminine and women entrepreneurs and leaders and why this polarity, if you will, what they're missing and how you've, you've kind of picked up on this and what they need to really do to excel in the world. And I'm excited to get into this because this is this is impactful stuff, especially right now, like we talked about earlier with the transgender movement and all these these things we're being distracted by. So I'm excited. So are we. Can be. Talk, talk to me a little bit about, before we get into kind of leadership and the role of the feminine and the masculine, because that's important, but talk mm-hmm. to me about your work with psilocybin. What, what got you so interested in it? Was there a pain to purpose story? Yes. 15 years, 15 years later, we are here, but, um, yeah. So didn't believe in plant medicine. I thought it was drugs for the longest time. And there's a big, big difference between plant medicine and drugs. Uh, but we weren't taught that right because the propaganda and the brainwashing that happens in our society to control the spirit and the soul of the human. Uh, and for me, psychedelics reintroduced me specifically, uh, psilocybin to begin with, reintroduce me to my soul and that, you know, there's a purpose and that we are so much greater than just being human. And, you know, my, actually my first introduction was a rape or people call it hape in America. Uh, and it was so powerful, but it brought up a lot of the trauma and, you know, why I am the way that I am. And I'll actually let Nicole do our little bit of our trauma list. Yeah. Um, so we come from a family. My father is a recovering alcoholic of actually 10 years. He will be sober next month, next month, like in like 10 days. Um, and we watched a child. We had a childhood that was very volatile. Um, there was no grounded energy. There was lots of chaos. Um, and we were really lucky to have friends, but we didn't have we didn't have a home that was, you know, it was portrayed beautiful on the outside, but on the inside, it was absolute um, chaos and madness. And so in that, you know, we grow up, we have chaos and as adults, we are a mess. We don't know why we have certain things because until you start doing the work and you have the tools, you don't know how or why. And if you follow what, what we do is a lot of the Carl Jung theory is he believes that we're scripted by the age of three. So we were scripted by the age of three. Um, addiction, We've both struggled in that department, um, whether it was food or exercise, um, marijuana, there were things that we were just, we use as outlets. And so um, from therapist's office to, you know, you name it, thousands of self-help books, every podcast trying to consume to fix, we were kind of in this world of chaos. Um, Megan was on the West, uh, excuse me, East coast. I was on the West coast and COVID was really the breaking point for us. And when we kind of got to come back together and we got to join forces, we kind of subconsciously were like, wow, we have this like great opportunity because we've lost everything. And in that losing of everything with COVID, we got these amazing opportunities and we were like, well, we're, we're together. And Megan had this amazing drape experience. And then that just led the floodgates open to psilocybin that then led to, um, other plant medicines, ayahuasca and cambo and things like that. And from there, it was just like this journey of like, oh my gosh, everything we've been told is just like wrong. 
We don't have to look outside of ourselves. We have all the tools inside, but yet it's this constant like seeking outside of self. And that's what we've been programmed into. And we were programmed into our parents. We were programmed into this matrix. We were programmed, programmed, programmed. And we got this amazing opportunity to start undoing all of the programming. And plant medicine was a big part of even in small micro doses of 200 or less of psilocybin, we were actually able to reconnect with our souls and ourselves, like Megan had said. And um, it was about three years ago, Synchronicity was born. Um, it was literally born. Megan was taking, Megan is a holistic nutritionist. She was taking a class on using CBD and marijuana to help women with postpartum. Um, and we kind of just like, it evolved really quickly. And all of a sudden it was like birthed into, oh my gosh, we have all of these tools that we have collected and let's, um, it's working on us. It's working on our friends. So let's expand. And, um, here we are, uh, you know, connecting with people. And now we're really have honed into this niche of women, um, that have very similar stories to us and that are looking for something in plant medicine with these, um, these theories that are true, um, along with, you know, Carl Jung and being able to give people answers outside of a therapist couch, um, because that's what we only were told that was, that was the only way to have an answer. It's not true. Yeah. So, so good. I, I love that. And like you said, LSD and all these things have been demonized in the past. And now we have people like yourselves and Tim Ferriss promoting like, really, like this can be a healing opportunity if, if it's done correctly. And so I'm so thankful that you guys are spearheading that path because it's helping a lot. I know it's and there, and a lot of work too. There's an organization I belong to that is doing work with veterans because again, the effects yeah. are just transformational. Um, how do how, you know, I always struggle. I've never done, I've never done psilocybin, not to say mm -hmm. that I want one day. Uh, and the more I talk with people like yourself, I get excited about these things, but do you feel like everybody has to do some kind of trip or some kind of journey, some kind of ayahuasca healing or hape or psilocybin? Do we, do we have to do this? Or is it just a, is it a hack if you will, which I don't like to use that word, but is there, is it just a kind of an, an easier way to get to that destination faster or yeah. How do you see it? You know, I always tell people that if you're called, you know, if you're not called, you, like that's the great thing about our program is that you don't have to use plant medicine. You know, you can learn the framing and the tools that we use and they work in life. It's basically from hedonism into stoic mentalities where you actually have control over your life. You're no longer a victim in your life. Uh, you know, for everybody's different. And that's part of what we teach is to connect to your soul and to know what's right for you. This is our journey and everybody's looks different. So if you're like, I don't align with this, this does not feel good in my body. You know, there, I have reservations, then don't do it. Uh, you know, there are plenty, my, our journey began 15 years before I even tried psychedelics. So it's it, no, you don't need it. Uh, you know, again, for me, it's been very, very expansive for a lot of people that we know it's been very expansive, but for some people, it's just not right. And we work with people that do not take psilocybin at all. I have a mentor that's 90, you know, on a lot of the, she's been working, uh, in relationships and with alpha women and all these things for 50 years. She doesn't believe in psychedelics. Um, she's very entertained by what we do. You know, she's yeah. like, oh, well, if I was your age, I'd probably try it. But she's been helping women for 50 years and, and men, um, you know, and 
I'm honored to take her work and keep doing it. And I believe that it does help it move faster because of the self-awareness that psychedelics bring forth. But again, it's a very personal decision. And I very much understand that and respect people's decisions with it. But if you're searching, you know, meditation, I actually, we teach meditation's the goal. It is not psychedelics because they're the same. Psychedelics just open you into realizing all the different dimensions and that your soul is eternal and how expansive it is. But you can do that through meditation. Dr. Joe Dispenza is doing it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's taken psychedelics, but you don't need them. I've had more psychedelic experiences meditating and uh, the things that I've seen and witnessed than I have on mushrooms. You know, your mind is crazy. When you start to really go inside and explore, I, I'll tell you, it's crazier than mushrooms or ayahuasca for that matter. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, there's a really good resource. Um, Matt Zeman actually wrote a book, Psychedelics for Everyone. And actually in the book, he talks about um, psychedelics, whether you are using them and working on them, you're actually affecting everyone around you because so say I'm taking them, but Megan is not working in them because my patterns are changing. Her patterns are changing. We're actually working in the math consciousness. So whether you practice with them or not, it's no judgment. Um, you know, science is doing a lot of really amazing research in regards to watching what psilocybin does in the brain with the neuroplasticity, um, the neuroinflammation, the neurogenesis. Like we are now seeing science actually kind of step into this, like, oh, this might be an actual air quote hack um, for brain health. But in regards to actually changing your everyday life, you don't have to use them. It just has to be a choice. Perfect. And you mentioned, you mentioned meditation. I have, I tried meditation many, many years ago and I found it helpful. Then I kind of quit. And now I've had this resurgence of coming back to it, started mm -hmm. reading some uh, books with Nisargadatta. I am that reading. Mm -hmm. um, there's some other stuff I, I, I've been imbibing a self-realization fellowship. I signed up for that. I'm doing meditation. And it even says the gateway, the portal to the soul is through meditation. But yes. even now, as I'm working through this, I, I find it sometimes difficult to quiet the mind and sit still. Mm -hmm. Are, do you have any practices that you have found that are, cause you just said, man, I, I can do meditation and get the same um, kick that I do off of psilocybin. What have you found to be effective to doing that meditation? And what's like kind of your daily practice, if you will. Hmm. Uh, I wake up at 4.30 in the morning when the, mel the melatonin in my brain is still really, really high because you're still in a dreamlike state and that really helps quiet the mind. Melatonin is what, you know, serotonin, melatonin, they're all connected. They actually morph into each other. Um, but when you wake up, so if you meditate really late at night or really early in the morning, just depending on whether you're a night owl or a morning person, um, but if you wake up early, you're still kind of sleepy and that's when it's really easy to quiet the mind. And there's still DMT and all of that, because that's how we dream in the brain. And that's when I've had crazy meditations. Um, I've also been to a Dr. Joe Dispenza retreat, uh, music, things like that really, really help. Uh, I really encourage people to explore Dr. Joe when you're first starting to learn to meditate because the guided meditations really help you trust and like drop it in. And then eventually you're able to do it on your own. Uh, but it's, it's wild. I recommend getting up early. That's them because it's all about the melatonin in the brain. And then music frequency is insane. I mean, his music or just meditation music in general 
really help me drop in and focus the mind because it's all about getting coherence in the heart and the brain. So drop into your heart. I always start my every meditation by listening to my heartbeat, connecting back into my heart um, and realizing that the, you know, the heart, um, the mind thinks, but the heart knows and your answers lie in your heart. And that's how I connect to myself every day, connect into my feminine, connect into why I'm here, asking it to guide me. Um, and that helps when you really start to the book, the alchemist really talks about this. And I never understood why I loved that book so much from the time I was in like fifth grade on, I was obsessed with it. I'm like, this has the answers to something. Lo and behold, I didn't figure it out until I was 30, but it's funny that we know those things so young and yet we're told you don't know anything da, 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 da. but I feel like I knew more as a kid than I did through my twenties. And now I'm rediscovering all of it in my thirties. <laughs> Well, and I think meditation too. Um, so Ram Dass, there's a book, it's called how to start meditating. And he goes in and he actually talks about like what happens when you're meditating and it's really the break of the ego. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times and it's separation of ego and self is really, I don't want to, I take that back. We don't want to break the ego or kill the ego. We just want to separate ego and self. And in the book, Ram Dass talks about how you have to put the ego in the box when you're meditating. Because I've, we hear it time and time again, I don't, I can't meditate. I can't meditate. Okay. Well, you have no control of your ego is what you're telling me. Ooh. Because if you can't put the ego in the box to quiet the ego for the one hour that you potentially need to meditate or maybe 15 minutes, then you have no control over your life. Mm. And when I read, when I started reading this book, I was like, honestly, I was like, fuck you, Ram Dass. You don't know what you're talking about. Right. But he had. <laughs> You know, Mr. LSD, he's like gone and been enlightened, you know, rest yeah. in peace. You know, he's brought a, a lot of profound, you know, he did psychedelics and med med uh, meditation, right? But his end goal was at the end, he could meditate and he could sit in Vespasana for hours and hours and hours. He really, truly um, was a very enlightened human by the time it was all said and done. Um, but as I read that book and having practicing Joe and then coming in and like reading this, I was like, oh, wow, like this is actually true is when you can understand that when your ego is in the driver's seat versus your heart and yourself, you have full control of your life. So then you have full control of your meditation and then you have full control and you take back the power. And so meditation, you know, even just starting with quiet you know, listening to music for 15 minutes and trying to just not think about anything else except for listening to your heartbeat. And as you get deeper and deeper and deeper, you start to realize that there is this amazing power that you take back. And like what Megan said, like when you wake up at 4.30 in the morning, your ego is actually still asleep. You haven't brushed your teeth yet. You haven't like showered. You haven't checked your email. You haven't like all of this mind chaos hasn't stepped in. And so therefore your, your ego is still in bed. So you can actually be with yourself. That is so good. I love that. What a great reframe for us guys who are saying, oh, I can't do this. I don't have the time. It's like, well, that's because you, you don't even have control, bro. You don't yeah, even have your exactly. ego in check. Check that out. You want to be yeah. enlightened. You want to do that. Learn to actually control your mind. Then mm -hmm. meditate for an hour, sit there. On that note, I'm a guy who likes tools like BrainTap is a tool that I like to use. Um, Dr. Joe, I have some of his tracks. They're like mm -hmm. an hour long. Do you find, and then you have like TM where a lot of TM people say, you know, mm -hmm. transcendental meditation, they do like two, I think 20 minutes. Have you mm -hmm. found kind of a nice balance for some novice like myself who's starting up again? Would you say, Joel, you need to sit in peace for about an hour. It's going to take that long over time. Or do you see like even 20 minutes is pretty effective? 
right? 20 minutes. Yeah. And, and even just being like aware of that thought, like if it pops up and being like, even just saying like, oh, I don't, this needs to just float by like observing the thoughts and not attaching to them is so powerful just in that 20 minutes. And most people, I think it kind of just depends on the day, right? Like, I mean, I, I started with TM yeah. um, and when I lived in Washington, DC, I was very unhappy and I found the, the TM, I don't know, Institute or something. And I started with a mantra, mm-hmm. you know, I am whatever, you know, I, I know they're sacred. I'm, I don't think I'm supposed to say what mine was because I, the teacher, you have to go through a whole ceremony. Uh, but that's where I started. And that actually very much helped me because when you lose the mantra, then you come back to it. And it's actually good if you lose the mantra, right? So, you know, researching TM, if you're just starting to have that mantra and help quiet the mind or give it something to distract itself with did really help me because I, I have a very, very busy mind. So for me to just go from like zero to an hour was not going to happen. Uh, so I feel people that are just getting into this. So, you know, even if it's five minutes, anything is better than nothing and don't beat yourself up about it because that's also ego. Um, you know, if you sit for five minutes and that's all you can stand and then the next day you do six and then the next day, just remember that everything is about discipline and it's about consistency. If you can learn discipline and you can learn consistency in your life, you can literally do anything, but discipline is freedom. Um, but it builds over time. You can't just like, Everybody wants to get rich overnight to do all these things. They don't realize that actually the dedication and building it is what is rewarding. It's not about just having something all of a sudden because then you don't value it. It's human nature. Well, and I think for a lot of men and men we have worked with, you know, also meditation doesn't have to look like just sitting still. It's true too. You can go out. Like we have clients that are like, I'm not, no, there's no way. And I'm like, great. I totally get you. Cause I used to be you. And I totally understand, but go outside. Don't take your iPhone or your smartphone. Don't take your AirPods. Don't take your dog. Don't take your friend. And I want you to walk a mile with yourself. Ooh. And that is actually probably one of the hardest things that most people, they will come back and be like, I couldn't do it. I, I like freaked out. My brain was going hundred miles an hour. And I was like, yeah, because you have, you're actually going through a dopamine withdrawal. You're actually having to regulate your nervous system without anything distracting you. You have to be with yourself. And so even, you know, working out, like a lot of men work out, right? They go for a run or whatever, but without the music, without the distraction of the mind to do it with just you. So you can control the thoughts and you can control yourself. Um, and so, you know, moving the body is also a form of meditation, but taking the, taking the music and the distraction away and having to be just be, well, I mean, yoga is a moving meditation there there's just being present, like even washing dishes. If you are present and focusing on doing it, that's meditating. Yep. It's just being mindful and being present. So I suppose actually my meditation started in yoga, like 20 years ago. Right. And like, you know, you go to a yoga class and like a true traditional yoga class, there's no music. There's, you know, you look at Ashtanga, you look at Bikram, you have someone guiding you. And if you come out of that, a good teacher knows when you're not dropped in anymore, a good teacher will say, where's your mind drop back into your body, because that's where you're supposed to be. You're not supposed to be building out. Oh, I have to do 10,000 things today. No, you're supposed to be present on your mat. That's where you are right here, right now. 
Okay, three big things just popped up to me. Dan Millman, and his, I know, sorry, the book, okay. The Peaceful Warrior, talks exactly what you're saying. He says, mm-hmm. you know, everyone wants to meditate and stuff. You you know what? When you make your cup of coffee or when you're walking, or you like, just be present. You can yep. pick all these moments. Like, actually be focused in the moment and, and let let that, he says in the book, let it burn. Like, let be so, like, so present that it's, you're letting it burn. And you can do that simply from moment to moment. You can be mm-hmm. present. It's, it's yeah. so key. You know, the other thing I was thinking about, though, as you were talking about the headphones, which I just thought was great, I remember David Goggins, everyone knows, is the alpha of all alpha males. But one of the things he said is, you know, all these guys, you know, they go to the gym or and they put their headphones on. And he says, I don't because he said, you know why? He said, what happens when the headphones comes off, motherfucker? Like, what are you going to do? Are you going to be in this like pumped up state when you're ready to fight me or do the 4,000 pull-ups that he does? No, because you were doing it with your headphones on. He's like, I don't do it with anything. So I just, I love kind of what you said and that, that kind of that reframe. Um, I wanted to ask you also on when it comes to just in terms of all these beautiful plant medicines, we, we, we kind of honed in really on psilocybin. Now you mentioned several that, that you have done ayahuasca. And I know from a good friend who's done ayahuasca, he mentions this idea of the artichoke and that you have to peel the artichoke. And the more you do it, there's a new layer, if you will. That's what they say, that there's a new layer. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like peeling the onion. Every mm-hmm. time you do it, there's a new layer and a new like kind of you that you discover, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. when it comes to psilocybin, because I don't know anything about it, have do you see that in terms of your practice and working with, with, with clients, the amount of times to, to do it, or, you know, do you find yourself, man, every time we do it, we're just unraveling something new that we didn't know about ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of it is understanding that the journey doesn't have an ending. Mm-hmm. It is. And it's understanding that like so many people are like, I have to fix myself. Well, there's like no end goal. Like we don't know what that stuff at the end of whatever road in 90 years looks like. All we can do is we can address what is currently happening in this present moment and this date and this time and what is going on in your life. And when you're working with plant medicine and psilocybin, it really is. You unwrap, you unpeel, you undo. We work, like I said earlier in Carl Jung Fury. So we believe in parent, adult, child, parent, adult, child is very similar to Carl or uh, Freudian theory of ego, super ego and id, but it's more logical in the brain of like, we're framed by three. Are we in the adult? Are we in the child? What are we ebbing and flowing in, in everyday life? Most of us are functioning out of a wounded inner child because we were scripted by the age of three into our parents. And most of us have no idea that that's actually what we're doing. And so it's stepping out of the child and becoming the actual adult, not the parent. We want to be the adult. And so when we're peeling these layers, it's identifying what behavior was framed into us. And when we can actually identify, oh, that was my mom. That was my dad. This was my wounded child. You can then actually start putting pieces together. And there's never an end, you know, no, there's no end to this beautiful journey. Right. And that's the beautiful thing about it is that you're always working. You're always actually in the goal is to almost be in a meditative state in life of awareness of self and knowing when the ego is driving and the self is driving. And when you're in that adult space and you're taking radical accountability for yourself instead of being in victimhood. Right. And so it's really just like reframing and helping re 
wire the neuroplasticity. That's why we work particularly in psilocybin because of what it does in the brain. It's a neuroplasticity shift. So that's where everything is programmed in, right? It's like our hard drive of our computer. We have all of these systems, but when we introduce neuro, uh, psilocybin into the neuroplasticity, it scrambles. So then we're able to rework all of these things. And then we get into the DMN where the ego lives. We're able to re reconnect uh, with that ego, have a healthy relationship with that ego. So we're, when we're working in these different spaces in the brain, and that's the greatest thing about plant medicine and particularly psilocybin is that in such small doses, we can move and shift a lot quicker. Wow. So we're actually like pulling out a little piece and like plugging back in a healthy piece and unplugging one piece that comes up and replugging back in. And that's why a lot of times, you know, we say like, be very aware of who you are coaching with. Are they teaching you hedonism? Are they teaching you to be stoic? Are they giving you actual tools or are they feeding a wounded inner child? Because those who haven't worked through their inner child stuff and their adult trauma or whatever, and no one's perfect by any means, but having awareness is how you become a good coach and how, you know, yes, you can absolutely go work in these plant medicines, but if you are just taking these plant medicines over and over and over again, without any framing or out without intention, you could actually be rewiring those old programmings and those old patterns. And you could actually be moving backwards instead of moving forward in the brain. Well, and no pill is going to fix you. No medicine's going to fix you. We are so programmed to think that like taking a pill will fix us. And it's such an issue in Western medicine, you know, and I, and I come across it daily with people. Well, it's not working. Well, what are you doing? Like, it's not about the pill. That is codependency. Like what, what are you doing? Who do you want to be? You know, we're controlled 90% by our unconscious mind. If you don't dive into your unconscious and you don't look at where you come from and who you are and you're not working with somebody, I think everybody should have a mentor their whole life, every step of the way, because it's a spiritual guide holding you accountable. If you do not have somebody holding you accountable, then you're lost. And, you know, for me, every day I have to show up and, you know, I've, like I said, our mentor is wild, what she'll say to me sometimes, but it's also, she's like, now you're projecting that's your unconscious you're triggered, look at it. And it's like, oh man, I don't want to look at it. I want to be a victim. And she's like, because you're projecting this onto me and you're, you're, you know, you're making me look like the bad guy. No, like, look at yourself. If you're triggered, if something's going on, it's not about the other person. It's about you. And that's the game that we have to learn, right? Is that we are in the driver's seat of our lives. We are not victims to anything, not even a car accident that happens, not even anything. I got in a T-bone accident the other day and it was not my fault. And I get out of the car and this lady's like, oh my God, did you call the cops? I looked at her and I said, are you okay? And she's shaking. And I said, do you need a hug? And she's like, why are you so nice? I'm like, because we're in this together. Nobody gets out of bed and goes, you know what I want to do? Slam into the side of another car. And that's that grace and understanding that like how you have a choice and how you respond to everything that's happening in your life. And it can either lead you or it can destroy you. And that's in that, and that's just life. It's like, you're, if you're in victimhood, good luck to you, but that's what we're trained to be in. And that's what we're trying to tell people is, is like with plant medicine and all of these things, they're not going to fix you, but they're going to help show you that you're responsible. But are you courageous enough 
to step in and see that you're responsible for everything in your life. Most people don't have the courage to do that. Most people are so terrified of taking responsibility that they'd rather project it and be victims and hedonists their entire life. And then they get to 70 and they look back and they go, well, damn. And I was like, this is why Benjamin Franklin's quote, most men die at 25 and aren't buried until they're 70 is one of my favorites. And I remind myself of that every time I want to be a victim. I don't want to wake up in 70 and look back in my life and wonder what I could have been. I would rather take responsibility every day and have to look at all of my demons and all the bad things that I've done than sit here and let somebody else control my life because that's what you're doing when you don't step in. And it's really, I'm so grateful that we're having this resurgence of plant medicine and psilocybin and things like that because it's what woke me up. It's what helped me look at my framing and look at my mentor and be like, oh damn, she's right. It allowed me to have that. And what a gift. Um, even though it's the hardest thing I've ever done, I don't want anyone to think that this is easy. It is the hardest thing I've ever done. And there are days that I'm on my knees praying like, why, why didn't I just stay asleep? Why do I have to do this? Why is this so hard? But then there's the days where I have so much gratitude and so much love in my life beyond anything I could have ever imagined because I chose to step in. Those are the days that drive the bad ones because there is no such thing as not being in pain. Pain is part of being human. Suffering is the choice. But I think there's also a point too of like, you know, this whole victimhood mentality, you know, like we see it every day. It's constant victimhood that has been bred into us. It's like Western medicine. It's like taking a pill of victimhood. And when you're working in plant medicine, you actually have to see the triggers because you're working in the DMN, it quiets the ego center. So you actually have to feel and see the triggers in real time. So you almost don't have a way out, which is really, it's really beautiful, but it's also really hard because you are faced with your own demon, your own trigger of like, am I going to look at this or am I going to run? So good. I was just thinking as you were speaking, I've been doing a lot of my men's work myself and working with other men because I've seen all the things that we are failing as leaders to show up. And and one of the things that has brought my own plant medicine has been my kids. So having mm. two boys, I have a nine-year-old and a six-year-old, and they are the reflection, the mirror of what I need to work on. And mm -hmm. so I have accepted that. I used to reject it. They were the problem. They were the problem. I'm perfect. I'm a life coach. I have all these certifications. I'm doing everything. What's their problem? Why aren't they acting the way they should? And the more I put it back on me and go, oh my God, he's enlightening me and showing me what I really need. Now, here's the other thing. When you talk about childhood wounds, when I overreact and I'm triggered, which happens all the time, that's going to happen today. But when I'm triggered by him and mm -hmm. I actually go, hold on. Let me get present. Let me center myself. Let me respond this way. I am starting to build more new neural pathways in my brain to circumvent these old childhood wounds. And so when you were saying this neuroplasticity and we can build that neuroplasticity faster, how great is that if I could reframe and just, it, it, it's take, it's hard every day. I'm the ego is saying, be triggered, respond this way, do this, do that. And it, the time if I can smile and and reframe it and respond and from presence, man, I I laugh because I'm like I'm like I'm like winning. I'm I'm responding. I'm building new neural pathways for my son and not getting so triggered. And I, I know I have to continually do that. But man, plant medicine seems like it makes me want to just 
let's sign up with you guys right now. Let's do some plant medicine because <laughs> I, I think it'll just be a little bit quicker. And um, I'm, I'm trying to go deeper is what I'm thinking too. Well, and absolutely. And the cool thing is, is that you, I think you've done a lot of work. Most people can't, they can't be like, oh, wait, I have to stop for a second because we are in so much, our culture is react. Mm-hmm. react, 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 react. I have to, I have to flip out. I have to do whatever. Right. Because that was what was programmed into me instead of being like, hold on, I need to take five and I need to ground. I need to go outside or whatever, you know, everyone has a different ritual, but being able to stop yourself in that moment is actually teaching your son that he has the space to do the same mm-hmm. because he is a sponge. He is mirroring and taking in everything that you're doing because you are the example. Your wife is the goal and you are the example. So how you react to her, to him, that's how he's going to repeat. And so that kind of like circles back around, right? Like you don't need psychedelics, but if you do use psychedelics, then you have those moments to stop. But especially as a parent, you're able to actually help your child. You're wiring your child while you're rewiring yourself. And it's such this like beautiful dance and you know, like we've, there's a lot of people right now talking about like moms that are doing psychedelics to help with postpartum and like all of these things, you know, and we talked to a lot of coaches that are using, they use psychedelics because they did at one point in their life, they were so reactive. I, I can personally say like, I used to be so reactive and emotional and like all this stuff. And now I'm like, oh, wow, I've been given this permission that I've given myself through the work I've done to be able to stop and say, oh, wait, hold on, time out. I'm in, you know, I'm in a reactive state and I, I don't want to be that way. Well, and I, um, I applaud you for raising young men because in my opinion, very humble opinion, uh, men are harder to raise right now uh, because they're not allowed to be men. And that's very, very difficult in the world because there's this war on the masculine uh, and you know, raising strong men, you have the entire culture fighting you. Mm -hmm. So for you being a strong man and for wanting to raise and have your, you know, boys follow in that, um, I applaud the men that are doing that because you guys are standing, you're, you're fighting for the masculine. And I very much applaud that because most people are not raising men. They're raising feminine boys that are betas and no strong society can survive without the masculine. And so, and I have goosebumps right now. <laughs> I applaud it because we need it. Uh, it's one of the reasons why strong women are single is because there's not men that are stronger than them. And I speak from knowing this. I am a very, very strong personality. And most men cannot handle me because they cannot stand in their masculine and they cannot ground my chaos. And, you know, the, the bigger, the personality, the stronger, the masculine has to be now, you know, in, in further generations, my mentor tells me either date 15 years older or don't date American men because American men have been raised to be women. And she goes, that's why you have a problem. You're not the problem at this point in your life. I was at one point you're not the problem at this point in your life. The problem is, is that they don't know how to handle you. You intimidate them. Yeah. And when you intimidate them, they drop into their feminine and you have to be the masculine in the relationship and your nervous system doesn't like that. And so, you know, for anybody listening out there, please raise men to be men. 
It's so, so important and love your daughters, cherish them, but mothers, especially respect your sons from the time that they're 11. Remember that you're the goal and respect them and allow them to cherish you because that's what makes a man. And it also allows you to be in your feminine. Um, mothering is masculine. And when they're 11, you're done being a mother. You then get to step back into your feminine and allow your sons to be men. Um, and fathers, please, you know, step into your masculine, love your wives, cherish them. But more importantly, be the example. We need you. And there's not enough women saying this right now. We are allowed to be in our feminine when you're in your masculine and the world is falling apart because we're not balanced. Um, and when this comes back into balance and back into coherence, remember men is the mind, women is the heart. There's not a coherence in our society. There's not a coherence in us um, as below, so above. So, you know, I, I really just applaud parents today because I don't envy you. I want to have kids, but it's very difficult to be a parent right now, but stay in your heart, stay in your truth and fight the culture, protect your children. Um, there's a lot going on right now in the wars on children, and it's up to us to, to um, be the examples and be the lights for them and help them stand in who they are and not be taken down by the culture. Well, and there's a really good book um, for you said, you know, earlier, Joel, that a lot of your audience is men and there's a really good book and it's called King, Warrior, Lover, Magician. Heard and, of this book. Okay, cool. Yeah, I haven't so read this it. Book, it's, it, it's a beautiful book, um, but it's about the stages of masculinity and stepping into manhood. And it's very much Eastern philosophy of how they raise men back in the day. Mm. And you have to go through all of these stages of life in boyhood into manhood and it's about, you know, ritual and about becoming a man. And when you go through these, then you become able to then take a woman to protect and cherish her, you know, bear children with her. We have lost that in our culture that it is, it used to be a rite of passage for men. It used to be a rite of passage to take the hand of a woman with the blessing of her father. And now it's just this shit show of hookup culture and beta men running around wanting mommies and yes i'd probably offending you you know people that are listening like I mean, it's, it's but it's <laughs> and no one's talking about it and it honestly is really scary when you look at it because right now there's a lot of beta men running this country elon musk he's a beta male mark zuckerberg beta male um who's the guy who owns amazon that guy beta male Bill, Bill Gates, all of beta them. males. And if you look at them, they've lost their masculinity. They're not broad shouldered. They don't really take care of their bodies. They're overweight. And yet they that's what people are looking at. Oh, that's the goal. I'm sorry, that is not the goal. You do not want to be a beta male. You want to take care of your body. You want to take care of your mind. And you want to be able to ground and provide for a woman. That is masculinity not this beta running around. I, you know, I have all these wounds. I can't take care of myself. Like it's not cute. Like it's not attractive. And it's a huge crisis because even right now we're looking at testosterone and sperm levels are plummeting because of this. You need to eat red meat. You need to build body muscle. Like you need to be a man. I don't know. Get mad, get angry, go chop wood, like be be in primal like it's it's this we've lost it 
And it's really scary, especially speaking from the feminine. We look around every day and we're just like, what is happening? This is, this is, this is scary that the next generation is, you know, we're fighting for the next generation. We're fighting for the, you know, for humans. I quite frankly think it's really creepy that they want to make babies in like fake wombs because they're planning for this testosterone and sperm count to drop and be almost, you know, down to nothing. It'll be zero by 2040. Yeah. That's terrifying. Yeah. You, you nailed that. I mean, yeah. And Shauna Swan talks about this in the book countdown about just the IVF therapy, how men mm-hmm. are becoming testosterone deficient. Uh, sperm count has dropped from the 1950s to now like 50%. It's a complete yes. joke. A lot of it's the toxins and the estrogens, yeah. plastics that we're putting in our yes. body. And then the other part I think is what you said. We have gotten away from nature. We've gotten away from uh, who we were called to be. And we've, we've turned also into this comfort crisis and everything's become comfortable in the last hundred years. And so we're just not picking up on it. I love what you you said about the whole beta male thing, uh, that word has been screaming in my ears just the last probably two weeks. And uh, I've been wanting to get on Instagram and kind of talk about it and just pick a bone. And I, I was struggling because I'm like, am I separating myself? That's very ego of you, Joel, to be saying this, but it's just been bothering me. I'm like walking around and seeing men parade themselves around and it just, it just been irking me. And so I think maybe it is a little ego, but it's also something we need to have a cry, a war cry of action of like, hey, wake up. Like this Absolutely. is not acceptable. And that's kind of what I'm getting at. Like this is a, you're a joke as a dad or a family. If you call yourself the leader, your kids, um, I hate to tell you this, but I'm at the park and I'm running around with my kids. I'm stealing your kids from you. I'm stealing their love. And I, I can't tell you how many kids come up to me and ask me to swing their their kid on the swing or whatever because they see me playing. I'm like, this is a joke. I'm not here to be everybody's dad. I'm playing with my own kids. And that's enough. So, uh, and then the last thing I wanted to highlight is you said, thank you. You credited me. I would put credit back to my wife because uh, she is the radiant, chaotic feminine that uh, I never realized until maybe the last year, how beautiful her radiance was. And um, she was actually challenging me to be better. And I thought she was criticizing me. I thought she was judging me. She wasn't. She was showing me where I was coming off and being unconscious. And Mm. she was actually bringing me in alignment. And Mm. uh, man, I'm so grateful for that. And that I stuck it out. There were so many times uh, we could have easily been divorced. And uh, I think both of us are just hard-headed and stubborn and we never did. But now uh, I see the beautiful gift of her her feminine. And really it just was times when I wasn't showing up as the leader that she was demanding. Um, and it's, yeah, anyways, and it, and it had nothing, by the way, I will say it had nothing to do with being beta. It was me being offline and not being present with my kids. And because I wasn't present, that was driving her nuts. And um, anyways, there's so many things we could talk about. I want to dive into a little bit. We've been going at it for just, I mean, it's been really amazing. I want to talk a little bit about what you guys are doing. We haven't even really covered, we talked, a, we've layered it, but we haven't talked about kind of what you're doing with these feminine leaders that you're working with. But one last question on plant medicine before we do is if someone's interested in doing plant medicine, do you guys, is there like a safe way to do this psilocybin? Cause I don't know. Like, do I go to the plant medicine doctor, 1-800, you know, weed or something like what are, what are people doing to find safe doctors or have people like yourselves guide them? Like how, how do I, how do I navigate that? Well, I think the best option is do your research. Um, there's a lot of really sketchy weirdos out there. Um, we advised one, either grow it yourself or find a reliable source. Um, you work with us, we gift it because we work with the vibration and we understand these, these, the mushrooms that we work with the fungi. Um, so it's a gift. That's how we work with it because we know where it comes from. 
Um, but individuals that want to work with it privately, I honestly would say, and the advice that we've been giving recently is find someone that you can get like a spore kit from, or, you know, there's a really great YouTube lady. Um, her name is, uh, what's her name? Boomer, Schumer, Boomer, Boom Schumer. I don't remember, but she, I'll look for her and put her in the Yeah. Center. She helps people like it it's just safer for most people yeah. because I think right now what's happening and especially with all of these like um I just I can't say that a lot of people are being ethical about this and with all of the fentanyl and all of this stuff and yes there's tests but I think a lot of people the best way to do it is to grow your own and to find resources would you do we have any other I think that's it really yeah just be careful where you source them because there's a lot of sketch balls and there's a lot of sketchy people like, uh i know when i first was looking for them i was lucky to find a source um it's not that difficult i mean we can't really like follow us on instagram we can probably yeah. help <laughs> you find a source you know maybe yeah yeah yeah, yeah. wink wink okay. like wink, wink. yeah but it's just really, um, you know, we just don't recommend you go and buy them off the street. No. Like, don't do that. Don't buy them off, you know, Etsy. Like, there's uh, some just very weird things happening in the world of mushrooms yeah. right now. You also yeah. have to understand that everything's vibrational and like how something's grown and how something's raised is important. It's like the food you're putting in your body, like the mass production is not good. So, you know, mushrooms are the same. You... I have noticed big differences between how somebody raises them that puts in like love and everything. It's like the, um, you know, when they play, I love you when the icicles are forming or they play, I hate you, how they like deform, but love, it's like the most beautiful crystals. Yep. You have to understand when something's growing, the vibration that's put into it. So, um, you know, tell your plants, you love them yeah. or your fungi. <laughs> Love that. Oh, okay, let's talk about some of the new work that you guys are doing with these feminine leaders, uh, women entrepreneurs, the alphas, the go-getters. I've the same thing. I'm making a stink towards men. It's no longer good enough to go out there and kill and conquer. Killing and conquering was great back in the 1950s when women didn't really work. Their job was to come home, take care of the kids. Women can go out and hunt and kill now. They don't need you to do that, men. And so now we're seeing this dominance of women masculinity rising and there's no ha harmony like you said now you have this masculine energy going a masculine energy it's not going to work so how do we bring women more into the feminine when they're embodying that feminine now they can really accelerate their growth their wealth their abundance and all the things that they were called to do well you know it's it's quite interesting right we've watched fertility plummet and part of that is because of women's nervous systems you know if we go back to nature um, nature doesn't give babies to anxious mothers. It's mm. because it's not good for the baby. So when we stepped into our masculine, our nervous system went crazy and we're seeing the breakdown of feminine bodies because of it. If you look at how women used to be shaped, right? Small waist, big hips, we're even being as, you know, um, we're essentially evolving, right? Women are more boxy now. There's not any hips. There's no waists. Like I've actually noticed this in the population. When you walk around, everybody looks the same. Like men's shoulders have gotten less broad. Women's weight, like their waists have expanded. We're starting to look very, very androgynous, um, which is the goal. I mean, not the way we look, but energetically. And that's, I think the humans and the work that we do is learning how to embody androgyny energetically. 
It's not about changing your body. It's about realizing you are both naturally and the evolved human, the alphas, which are only 20% of the population are actually just very heavily androgynous. So as much as I am masculine and I can out masculine 90% of the population when I'm in my masculine, um, but I naturally surrender. And I've started to notice this in my energy field. If somebody's masculine is bigger than mine, I automatically drop into my feminine and I can feel it in my nervous system. And so, you know, when we work with women, we're teaching them to tap into their nervous system. The body, the heart is feminine. The mind is masculine. And everybody's like, I think, I think, I think, I think, I think. I'm like, great. How do you feel? It's really that simple. It's changing the narrative for women in their brain. And men, ask a woman how she feels. Stop asking her what she thinks. That's putting her in her masculine. How do you feel? Like, and, and for men, always say, I want. Women, say, I don't want. You know why you say that? Because you challenge a man. Men function off of challenge. Women function off encouragement. So it's really learning these energy frequencies and what means what, right? Men rule the material world. Women rule the ethereal world. And this is when we get into things like Tantra, yoga, all of these things. It's the divine masculine and feminine. When we think about like Shiva and Shakti, this has been around for thousands of years. The answers have always been here. Read about the Taoist. Read about what happens when masculine and feminine come together because in every origin story, humans began as both. Then the gods got mad at us and split us into two. And then we had to, you know, find a mate. And that's been one of the things that has really hold us, held us back and caused so much heartache. But so for us, it's coming back into that, like realizing that, okay, I am this being, I am androgynous. I want a man that reflects that because when we fall in love, it is our soul reflected in another. And to love them and to cherish them and to honor them and respect them, depending on what energy frequency you want to be in, and to let go of your narcissism. Humans are naturally narcissistic. They want to be loved and, or they want to be cherished and respected. That's being a narcissist. In a relationship, you have to understand that it's not about power of being both. It is about choosing what makes my nervous system feel better. So you're either cherished or you're respected. And it's 90% of the time you're in that energy frequency. Now there's going to be some moving about, um, when emotions and things happen, but you have to be smart enough to do that. So for women that are very, very powerful, it's learning how to take a step back that that is love, that that is power and choice is what we have because growing up, it was like, what grades did you get? Do better, be more, do, 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 grow. Bleh, 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 bleh. Like, and then they get there and they're not fulfilled. I'm like, yeah, because you're all in your masculine. You're not in your flow state. You have no idea what it is to just like light candles and float in a bathtub and just do nothing. They're like, what? Like that's feminine energy. Be, not do, be. And when a woman in her full feminine when she steps into a room, it's that radiant feminine you're talking about. It's like everybody is elevated. When a woman walks in a room as a man, she's not going to get any attention. We have so destroyed the feminine and it's, it's power. You know, think about Cleopatra or like um, Mary Magdalene or any of these women like Helen of Troy. 
Taylor. Elizabeth Taylor. Like, the, like the feminine is far more powerful than the masculine. Why do you think they're trying to destroy the feminine and turn us into men? Because we are what um, inspires men to be and do better. We are the challenge. So when you're in hookup culture and you're like, well, I can fuck like a man and but da 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 you have lost. You have failed at life. The morals of a man and a woman is disgusting to me. And guess what? I used to buy into it. You know, oh, well, if a man can do it, I can. Oh, well, that's cute. No, no one, like, that's not, they're programmed to spread their seed. We are programmed to form them with our no, or at least should be programmed. Nope, do better. Try harder. Oh, that's not good enough. And then they're like, wait, what? Why? Why'd you say no? Why'd you say no? Challenge, grow, be more, do more. Our society's falling because men are essentially getting free lunches when there is no such thing as a free lunch because they're paying with their sperm count. They're paying with their lives. This is killing men. The suicide rate has gone up 50% since COVID. Ladies and gentlemen, they are dying. Men are dying because the feminine is not rising. And what we're trying to do is get women to realize, okay, great. You can be a man. You are successful. You can do everything. But do you really want to? My question is, why the hell would you want to? You're destroying yourself, your children, the men. Nobody's having good sex. Everybody's getting divorced. Everybody's lonelier than they ever have been. And yet we're more connected than we ever have been as a society. Um, but men have no idea how to approach women. Women have no idea how to challenge a man into doing that. And so we work in everything, energy. Like, how do you invite a man without, whoever speaks first is masculine. Women, stop approaching men. Look at them, make eye contact, smile. Let him come to you. Because guess what? It doesn't feel good for a, someone that's a feminine core to approach a man. Your nervous system is going to go haywire. But guess what? It makes a man's testosterone grow when he sees a woman smile at him. All of a sudden his testosterone rages and it helps him in every aspect of his life when he has to walk up and face rejection in order to talk to her. And guess what? He'll value you more because the greater the challenge you are, the more that he'll be afraid to lose you from the very, very beginning because you are saying, I'm worth all of this energy and all of this time. And I want him to do work to earn me. I'm the prize. I'm not the like, oh, you don't even have to buy me a drink. We're going to go Dutch. And then I'm going to go home and sleep with you and never like what, who wins in that? (laughs) Nobody. Well, and also I think it's really important, you know, the power of the no of woman of a woman and in Taoist philosophy. So energetically, like women, if you look at it, like we are born with everything, we are born with all of our eggs, right? So every month we expert X amount of energy and that's all we have. Like that is our life force. Men, you look at like semen, right? You guys are constantly making it, but the more you actually retain it, the better off you are because it actually drains you and kills you faster. So porn culture, hookup culture, All of that is actually literally biologically and physically killing you. Every time that you don't have retention and every time a woman tells you, yes, you are dying. 
And this is scientifically proven. You can look at the Taoist philosophy. You can look at, um, there's many books written about this, the multiple orgasmic man. John Gray from uh, Women, Men Are From Mars talks about this too. Yeah. Yeah. And so every time you are sitting in front of a computer doing what we know you're doing, it is actually killing you. Instead of going out and approaching a woman that's smiling at you and she may just say, hey, you know, no, thank you. There's no chemistry. That is actually helping you. That's making you a stronger man and you're going to live a little bit longer because she said no to you instead of choosing your computer because that's biologically how it works. And I know it's, I'm probably triggering some people and I hope that I am because I have talked to many of my guy friends about this and they're like, well, I hate rejection. I, you know, I, you know, oh, I, well, I haven't had sex in a week. Like, who are you? That is so heathenistic. Like go and be rejected because it's life. And if you're continuing this pattern, what are you teaching the next generation? You might not even, you know, you're not even consciously aware of what you're doing. And so when we're working in the feminine, we're teaching feminine to actually say no, but to say no in a kind way, not, you know, ghosting or telling them that, I don't know, you smell weird or I don't know, whatever, right? It's because men, you have to let men down easy. You have to do it in a way that is still very loving and kind because then you're actually challenging them for the next part, the next woman that they see smile at them. It doesn't just completely deflate them because at the end of the day, rejection is life, but it's the feminine who leads it. Hey, men, go read the book, The Game. Okay. For women fall in love with he words. Women fall in love with words, with their ears. Men fall in love with their eyes, ladies. But men, if you learn how to talk, be more educated, compliment a woman, I promise you that there is no nose. Like she'll go out with you if you can talk to her. Women fall in love with their ears. There's, I mean, think about Casanova. Some of the greatest seductors in the world were not attractive. If you look at like Mick Jagger, any of these men, it's words, it's singing, it's this like allure of like feminine energy because the feminine wants to hear things, relax her nervous system. And men are afraid of rejection. It's like when a woman says no, it doesn't, you know, you don't have to force yourself on her, but it usually means try harder. Virtue is try harder, do better. You're not doing enough. Learn how, what failure is good. It teaches you every day. You should actually go through a list of like, what did I fail at today? And if it's not getting the woman that you want, read literature, read poetry, learn how to make a woman fall in love. It's like, tell a smart girl, she's pretty, a pretty girl, she's smart. The thing that she's lacking in her life, have assets in it or something to offer her in it that allow her to grow and expand. She will fall in love with you. But this whole like, I don't have to be interesting, da, 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 like, no, 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 no. You're boring if you're sitting at home watching porn and doing all these things and then thinking that that the hottest girl in the world is going to want to go out with you. You have to have something to offer her. I'm not going to sit at a table with a dude that's like, guess what? I play video games all night. Like, how the fuck are you going to talk to me? Like, what? I don't know about your world of Warcraft or Expand whatever. Expand <laughs> me. Teach me. This I- is huge, too, with AI coming through and they're talking about like how they can make it 
so realistic to have sex with like I don't they give you I guess they send you like a device you can put your yeah. penis in and it feels like a vagina I guess and like with VR and stuff and so, so we disturbing. are going to enter, yeah we're going to enter a very trippy stage where um there's going to be a lot of that you're going to see a lot of beta males um let's call it out they're going to they're going to detach from reality and tune into this other world because it'll just be easier path of resistance easier and they don't have to feel that rejection that you're talking about well, and what's really interesting, it's already happening. It's called the Red Pill Society. And it's yeah. men that have just given up on women. It's actually 40% of the millennial wow. population. What do they call them? I didn't even know this. They're, um, they have like a specific name for them. Incels. Incels. They like hate women that wear yoga pants. And they like, yeah. how dare you wear yoga pants at yoga? Like, what's happening? But it's... Um, well, and I think it's also really important to note that like it's consciousness. It's being aware of what is happening and this whole like new movement of um, it's not an alpha. It's not a beta. I'm a sigma. (laughs) You're not, you're not a sigma. Like, no, it's, I guess this new beta male trying to not be a beta, but like wants to be an alpha that he can be both. You can't. It's not true. Also, that's not real. Alphas are born guys. They are. It, it, it's, it's, it's genetic. I can see it in astrology charts as an astrologer. Um, you know, it, it's 80% of the population is beta. If you are an alpha step in, you are only 20% of the population. If you are an alpha woman, at least get in contact with us because, um, you're only attracted to 10% of the population. You have a huge, because you cannot marry a beta male and be satisfied. You will cheat on him. Um, you know, alpha women usually end up being mistresses because they don't know how to put their masculine in the back seat. and men that are alphas want to lead and they will marry a beta woman. If an alpha woman doesn't know how to be in her feminine. And this is why alpha women are some of the most lonely women in the world, because they are the fun and they're the most intellectual and men fall in love with you, but they don't marry you because you can't put your dick away and let them lead to be quite frank. But being an alpha woman is harder than being an alpha male because alpha men, you can marry 90% of the population. Okay. For women, you know, you're only attracted to 5% of the population. So if you're an alpha, um, a step in, it's a beautiful thing, but it can be very lonely for women. Uh, and I didn't even realize I was one for the longest part of my life. I was like, why am I this way that I am? And then lo and behold, you know, uh, I found my mentor and she explained a lot to me, but, uh, you were born, you're an old soul. You, you, you came here to lead the world and alpha men and alpha women, you know, if they end up marrying and being together, this is when you get, um, like unbelievable couples that change the framework of society because it is the goal. Everybody wants to be like that. It's like to be both um, beautiful and smart. And like, you know, for a man to be both like a leader and cherish his wife and all of these things, but then be able to lead the masses. It's what alphas are here to do. And it's, we're a very small percent of the population, but if we don't rise and we don't step in, betas are going to follow this red pill society, this AI, you know, AI is scary, but alphas are the ones that get to dictate how our society moves forward. And it is really easy well, not really easy, but you know, it's hard to fight. It's hard to step in, but if we don't betas will never, they're not the leaders. And so it's a call to action. 
Um, there's more alphas than there have ever been in this world. And we're naturally androgynous where we are more intelligent, more creative, more fun, all of these things, but you have to learn to master yourself because our egos are so much stronger than a betas. It is so powerful, our egos. And if we do not learn how to be conscious, if you're an unconscious alpha, essentially ego dystonic, you are on a war path. And not only that, you're an addict. All alphas have addictive tendencies because their mind is so busy and they are so brilliant that they get bored quickly. You have to learn how to manage yourself. If you do not, you become a detriment to society because 10% of alphas are in the light, 10% of alphas are in the dark. And this is where you get pimps, most of our government, um, you know, the people leading a lot of the pharmaceutical companies, those are dark alphas. They chose darkness. And the alphas that are in the light that realize we have capacity for light and dark, but they choose the light are super important right now. And that's what we're here to do is to be the leaders in the feminine because we're the examples to where men like you are the examples for the male alphas, but it takes all of us. And I need everybody to step in that's listening to this. Like, this is your call to action. I don't care if you don't work with us. I don't care what you do. Just if you, if this resonates and you're like, oh my gosh, she's talking about me. You're an alpha step in. We need you. Like it's life is happening and the world is a mess and we need every leader to step in right now. It is all about collaboration. It's not about competition. And if all of us step in, we can actually form the world to be the place that there's not suffering. There's not all of this stuff. Like people don't have to work, you know, so much that they never see their families and all of this. We can make the world what we want it to be, but it takes all of us facing ourselves and stepping in so that we can be the light at the end of the tunnel for um, the people behind us. Well, and I think, um, and it's a very controversial topic that I, I, mind, I really want to bring up right now. Um, so Putin, Putin is an alpha. A lot of people hate Putin, but he has no problem ruffling feathers. And that is an alpha male. Um, well, and it's not how you look at him. This is not political or anything, but it's, he's been in the news a lot lately. And that's why I bring him up when people talk about alpha and beta, he has no problem calling out the Western world and all their bullshit. He has no problem being like, y'all are a mess, figure it out. And you're not welcome in my country because he's an alpha male. He runs his country like a business. And so that's an alpha. That's someone who protects. That's someone who is willing to die for his country to mm. protect his country. And um, we've, you know, you don't see a lot of that right now. And like I said earlier, you know, where this red pill, this red pill is being ran by Meta, who is being ran by Mark Zuckerberg. He is a beta male. He's doing jujitsu now, though. He's trying to be alpha, I guess. I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> I don't know. If it's you're just... if you're keeping the truth from the world, you're a beta. Yeah. I I I'll, I'll talk to you guys offline about a little bit about my story, but uh, yeah, I couldn't yeah. agree more. Um, I w I wanted to just say, and then we'll kind of start wrapping some things up. But you know, I, you mentioned a while back about you know wanting sex or needing sex from your wife or whatever. I'm gonna tell you right mm -hmm. now. Anytime I've gone in a drought of sex between my wife and I, it's always because I was not leading. 
And um, if you're a guy and you're like, yeah, but she never gives it to me. Well, look at in your life right now and look at where you're not leading. And I guarantee when I just stopped thinking about it and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to serve today. I'm just going to lead. I'm going to lead. I'm going to lead until I build enough integrity and trust back in her. She can fall back into the feminine and relax. Once she did that, guess what? I can do whatever I get, whatever I want. And it's yeah, not, yeah, yeah. it's not, it's not getting what I want. You guys know that right, from talking, right, right, right. but the point is it's about yeah. leadership guys. Yes. And when you lead, man, so many beautiful things happen. Um, well, go ahead. Joel, I think that's so important to touch on that leading, lead her plan dinner, tell her we're meeting at six o'clock. Please put a beautiful dress on. I'll pick you up. You know, I know you've had a long week. Don't make it. Where do you want to eat? Where do you want to go? Lead her take her hand and guide her. And like, you know, it's, it's the little things. Yep. Yeah. So true. Um, I want to start wrapping things up really quick. Any exciting projects or anything that your guys are working on other than everything that you are working on, but yeah, anything else that you want to kind of let everybody know about? Um, yeah, we are actually in the process of launching our app. Um, we're really excited. Um, this is going to be a one-stop shop. It'll have our podcast. It'll have all of our classes we offer. It is literally going to be amazing. I'm super pumped because it is taking, it's taking the thinking out of having to go to all these different places. So we have been working very diligently, getting all of our classes aligned, getting everything into a one-stop shop for people, building a community and um, a subscription-based coaching, um, self-paced kind of thing for what we have to offer people. Um, and that's the new, the newest project we have going on. And we'll hopefully have everything up and running by the middle of September, if not a hundred percent hard deadline is October 1st. Well, and we have an alpha women's class coming out. So if you want to understand yourself better, that'll be coming out in October and putting it together now. And then we're also going to have um, embodiment of seduction. That is both men and women. How to, because seducers are the prototype of androgyny. Think of Casanova, you think of Cleopatra. What's so amazing about all of them is that they embodied masculine and feminine and knew when to be in what. So um, using those prototypes, it's like the coquette, the dandy, all of them, like what you are and how to expand around that because seduction is marketing. Seduction is everything in your life gets better when you know what kind of energy to put forth um, and what to retract. So it's a lot about you know, embodying your inner self and learning how to, you know, even seduce yourself in some ways of, you know, how to talk, how to speak, how to do everything in your life better and with intention. Well, in all of these, um, outside of the plant medicine, we also have a microdosing one-on-one class. We have, um, getting started with microdosing. You can use all of these classes with or without psilocybin. So, um, we, like I said, we have this like beautiful dance of like both of, if you, you know, where are you, it will have, um, everything from meditations, yoga nidras, everything that we work and we do, and we practice in everyday life, um, all accessible on one platform. So cool. When you guys coming out with a book? <laughs> That's actually in the works. <laughs> Good. Yeah, I can see that. That's awesome. Um, I want to wrap things up and let everybody know where they can find you, connect with you, learn more about what you're doing. Um, yeah. So just, you know, Nicole and Megan, Michelina, tell us the Zenchronicity sisters, where can people connect with you online and, and, and get all these cool goodies? 
Absolutely. So we do a reel every day at synchronicity underscore sisters on Instagram. Um, Meg leads that a lot on what's going on, a lot about masculine and feminine. Then we also have our podcast, synchronicity underscore podcast on Instagram. That's where we bring people on. They tell us stories about what their lives are, how it's going, using of psychedelics, using of meditation, life coaches, all of that. Um, we really try to destigmatize some of these like woo-woo things um, that are actually changing people's lives. Then if you want to know more information about just who we are, what we've done, our background, we have a website, www.synchronicity222.com. We have our retreats on there, um, links to our podcast. Everything is also accessible from there. Do you guys want to reach out to us? You can DM us on either Instagram. We don't use any AI bots or any uh, virtual assistants. It is Megan or I who is always responding. We will always keep it that way um, just because we truly believe in authenticity and that we are the name and we are the embodiment of our brand. So we want you guys to know that you will always be talking to one of us do have patience. Sometimes it takes us a little bit more than 24 hours, but we normally respond within 48. Amazing. Well, thanks gang for being on the show. We appreciate you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much, Joel, for having us. Yeah. Thank you so much. Appreciate it.